Welcome to What Does This Mean? A discussion of the readings that are assigned in the Lutheran Church for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. This is one of those times we start losing track of the numbers, but a lot of us just call this season ordinary time because we're hearing Jesus' words on how to be faithful and to follow. This week, we'll hear from a prophet that doesn't always get a lot of attention, and then some kind of encouraging words from Paul to his friend Timothy, and then a new twist on the mustard seed from Luke. So we are so glad you joined us. are starting season two today. Yay! Our throngs of audience are back with us, and we're so glad that you're back. My name is Pastor Bradley Schmeling. And I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer, And I'm Pastor Javen Swanson. We are the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. And for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about the readings that are coming up on Sunday. Uh, For those of you who are following along, that will be October 6th. And we hope this podcast will, one, help us start to think about these texts. We have to preach on them. But even more, we want to try to help all of us understand the Scripture more deeply and spend a little bit more time than we can on a Sunday morning. In this new season, we have a new idea, and we're going to be inviting special guests to help us talk about the readings. We've invited them just to come in and ask any question that comes to mind as they hear these readings, and we hope some of those questions might be questions that you would be curious about, too. You might stump us. Our guests may have questions that we've never thought of. (laughs) I'm actually fairly confident that will happen. I'm pretty sure they will. Um, But really, that's okay, because the truth is that the Bible, for all of us, can be really hard to understand sometimes, and we're all stumped sometimes as we're reading these. So it'll be fun to hear those questions from someone else. And our special guest for today is our new colleague, Linda McDonald. Hello, Linda. Hello. Welcome. Um, And we're so glad that you've come in this morning to record this with us. But before we start, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourself. I'm a lifelong Lutheran. I was baptized at two weeks old. My mom is very proud of that. And then uh, she married two Lutheran ministers, actually. So, <laughs> so I've been a preacher's kid. Uh, wow. PK twice. I'm so okay. sorry for a you. Double PK. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm really, you know, a messed up rebel as a <laughs> as a Christian Lutheran. Um, so I'm, I appreciate this opportunity because I always have questions that I think other people don't have, and so it, often it has made me feel like in a Bible study setting that. I shouldn't be there because I, I see it differently than the rest of the group does, so I don't fit in, and it probably has impaired my study habits over the years, so I'm excited about this. I think that means you fit in perfectly because yeah, you have I a question a, a the rest of us. a lot of people sit there and don't say anything with exactly that same thought in their head. I often think that when I'm reading the scripture in worship on Sunday morning, and I think, what in the world are people thinking right now when they heard that spoken from the pulpit? And they don't get a chance to say anything. They just have to receive it. And just tell us what you're doing for us at Gloria Day now. 
I get to be the communications coordinator. And it's a 20-hour-a-week role, which is is lovely. Uh, we work on the weekly e-news. There's a monthly newsletter publication we push out. I help with the website. And other duties as assigned. Exactly. Let's jump in. So um, our first reading, Pastor Javen, I think you are going to read that for us. Yes. So we had some conversation, actually, before we started about, is it Habakkuk? Habakkuk, I think Pastor Lois, you said... I say Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And I had a seminary professor who said Habakkuk, but he was also from the South. And it sounded very Southern when he said it like Habakkuk was sort of how he said it. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. That's how I always heard it. Habakkuk. Well, that doesn't matter, really. It doesn't. I always say, if you say it confidently, everyone will think you've got it right and that they've been saying it wrong all along. So this is a reading from Habakkuk. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen, or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Thank you. And that was Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then another little part, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I forgot to say that. Thank you. Yeah. I had two thoughts initially when I read this. One was just the timelessness, because this feels exactly like the world I'm living in right now. My other thought was about my mom, who has had some medical issues for 18 years, actually. And, you know, she she's praying constantly to be healed, and, and it doesn't happen. And we still have this destruction and violence in the world. And why? Why, when we pray and ask for God who can do all things to to make this stop. Why doesn't it stop? How long shall I cry out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well and I think that's a that's one of the great pieces about scripture, really, is that it speaks these deep questions that all of us carry and that finally we don't really ever have great answers to them to know why there isn't a direct answer. Um but at least for me, there's always there's something comforting in the fact that people have asked these questions for centuries and continue to feel connected to God and to one to one another. I, that's what I was going to say is that I feel like there's something healing or comforting just in being able to express our frustrations, our hopelessness, and and trust that. It's heard by God and to see that people have been asking questions like this for thousands of years. And even if we don't ultimately get the answer that we're looking for, there's there's some sort of healing just in being heard, having that heard. 
I often think how um, so many times I hear from people that say, oh, I really can't go to church or I, you wouldn't really want to hear my questions or my ideas because I just, I'm not sure God's even there. Uh, I, I've prayed for 18 years for healing for my mom, something like that. And God never, ever answers that prayer. And to think that Habakkuk or whatever his name is, is one of our prophets. He's in scripture and he says the exact same thing. It's like, how long are you going to let us, you know, feel this frustration of not getting these prayers answered? How long will we face this kind of violence? And to think that's considered the word of the Lord. You know, it's like this comes to us as scripture. This comes to us as holy, sacred writing that longing, that confusion, that pain within us of, I wish God would answer these questions, these prayers differently. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm hearing too, it's okay to even kind of be a little angry with God and say, hey, what's up? Fix this. Yeah, right. yeah. But then find the hope in the scripture, which I felt like this does, you know, it will surely come. It will not delay. That seemed hopeful to me when I read that. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the prof- one of the things prophets always do too is before they say these things, they will tell the long history of how God has been at work in history among the people. So they tell this this grand story. And so the lament comes from the middle of that story. So there's also this hope that there's a bigger story going on here that I might not see from my particular standpoint or view, but I'm going to trust that God is up to something in all of this that's hopeful. I was thinking how when we say the Lord's Prayer, so I've been trying to make it a practice to really pray that prayer every morning and to not just have it be like a rote recitation in my head, but to actually try to reflect on each line as I'm reading it. Um, And the line lately that's been really meaningful to me is your kingdom come, because I just feel like the world is in such disarray right now. I just want God's kingdom to come. And for me, there's something, I, I find a lot of peace in just saying that line out loud um, and trusting that God's kingdom will come, hopefully sooner than later. Well, I also think too, Linda, in some ways, you are the answer to your mom's prayer. You know, that God sends people to be with us in our struggles and our pain. And maybe we long for the fix to the whole problem, but there are other answers that are occurring in the midst of that. I did a little reading about Habakkuk, and actually he he is writing at a time after the people of Israel have come back from exile and the leaders of their country are really weak and are drawn into the whole Persian wealth system. So it's a time when the rich are getting richer and richer and richer, and the poor are falling farther and farther behind. I can't even and, imagine what that hmm. kind of a world is. Yeah, right. Like. I wow. know. That's a, to talk, why I say that, because you mentioned a kind of like about the timelessness mm-hmm. of this piece of scripture. And they were experiencing a lot of the things that we see. We look at the news. Violence on the street. And yeah. destruction okay. and the poor just getting no breaks whatsoever and feeling like that if they were to be a nation of faith, 
the poor would be lifted up and everyone would be included in this vision of a of a abundant prosperous nation so that's the vision that he talks about right right, right. the vision yeah okay. that's what's okay. being held up and that's not what's being practiced by much of the leadership in Jerusalem at that at that time well let's take a little break here and then we'll come back with the next lesson The second reading for this coming Sunday is from 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. It's a great passage. Wait till you hear. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother, Lois. There it is. Yes, Lois is in the Bible. (laughs) Okay, but back to the reading. Uh, lived first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day when I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, and if there's a Eunice out there, we want to hear from you too. I had a great we, aunt yeah. Eunice. Did you? Well, we, we call want, her Uni though. Uni. We want to celebrate. My dad you. thought it would be great if I ever had a daughter to name her Eunice, and then if she had a son, then she could name him Timothy. Timothy. But mm-hmm. my my mom at that point said, "Oh boy, I hope you have only boys." <laughs> <laughs> 
I had two daughters. I didn't named neither Eunice. <laughs> Linda, what do you have to say or questions for us? Well, my first was <laughs> worship with a clear conscience. Wow. Hmm. I don't know that I've ever ever been able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean what I think it means? That right. I'm, what does it I'm mean? perfect when I've gone to worship and I have nothing on my hmm. conscience? I think it has, if for Paul's sake, I think it has kind of the opposite meaning of saying you can, you can worship with a clear conscience because it's not about you. It's about Christ. And, you know, he always talked about his own past when he, he did not have a clear right. conscience. And so he, he always said, I'm not here because of what I've done. I have not been um, that somebody that could be held up um, that way. But I'm here because of the grace of God in, in Christ Jesus. And I think that's the clear conscience God gives okay. us to be able okay. to worship. With with the Lord begin thy task. You know, the sense of always starting worship, knowing I'm totally trusting God. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. But I also think there's this call in Scripture to be kind of to take stock of who you are and how you have lived and to use that security that you have in Christ to then be honest and say, I can say this out loud now and I can work on it. I can either make amends to somebody else who I've wronged or I can change things within myself so that I find the depth and the richness of life that I'm really longing for. It, this None of this is easy, at least for me. So, you know, I leave church, worship, feeling good. I, I don't think that I've ever really questioned the concept of grace. I maybe don't accept it as deeply as, as I could, but I, I don't think I've ever really questioned it. But still, why do I continue to be angry and not disciplined sometimes and not pleasant to be around perhaps at times if indeed god can help me and and is helping me become that better person and just accepts me as i am i leave church thinking okay i can do this i'm i'm on the right path again and 2 hours later i've said something ugly to somebody mhm i will never forget bishop mark hansen talking about the liturgy and saying that we you know, in joy, go from the table and we send each other out into the world to be the body of Christ. And it works for a few minutes, <laughs> you know, um, which is why we begin then with the confession often the next week, which he said is kind of like the church saying to one another, so how'd it go? <laughs> and we're, then we're kind of honest with each other about, well, it actually didn't It didn't go so well. I did some of the background reading for this passage today, and I, the context here is that there are some false teachers who are, or what Paul would call false teachers, who are spreading some different ideas. And if you think about it, this is the very, very beginnings of the Christian church, right? They're just trying to... They're, they haven't really systematized everything yet, and so it's kind of all just forming. And there's some theological ideas coming in that are contrary to what Paul would like. One way to respond to that sort of threat would be to sort of double down on, like, judgment and wrath. And, and instead, Paul says, stick to what you know. Love one another. You know, just like the – keep living 
the life we've been saying we're supposed to live. We're just going to keep doing our thing and trust in the grace of God. And I think that's that's kind of the timeless piece for me about this. When I when I hear things that are contrary to what I believe or what my faith teaches me, it's helpful for me to be reminded, just stick to what you know. Well, let's take a little break here and we'll come back with the gospel lesson. Welcome back. It's time for the gospel uh, text, which is Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put it, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later, you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have only done what we ought to have done. Well, that's a real... We, oh, Linda, wait. Linda, why don't you unpack this one oh, for us? Sure, no problem. Oh, wow. Wow. And, and I feel like if there's something, whatever is smaller than a mustard seed, my faith must be smaller than that because I can't uproot any mulberry Your trees. Your mulberry and, trees uh, haven't no. been swimming across Planted the sky. In the sea. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And I kind of think with all three of these readings, maybe I have the same bigger overall question, which is in the world I live in today, which is a busy world, and right or wrong, I'm sure there are things God would like me to not do that I do because of the society I live in now. But everybody's so busy. Two income families. You've got four kids you're getting off to school. Where do I fit in the time to read the scripture, to study it, to grow my faith so it's at least as big as a mustard seed? And I don't, you know, I don't know what the answer is to that either. I think the reading itself is is about that. The, the disciples were saying, increase our faith. We we don't have it. We don't get what you're telling us. We don't know what to do here. We're in the midst of this society and we just keep going on. We're not really sure we get anything of what you're talking about. And my sense of what Jesus is saying here is you don't have to have a magnificent faith. That's not what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for faithfulness in terms of take another step, do do the best you can today. and, and the analogy of the slave, which is so awkward for us to read, because mm-hmm. people will say, you know, back in the day, people used this this as saying, see, Jesus isn't against slavery. And it's like, oh, man, that's not really what's being right. said here at all. But but the sense of do your common day's work, do the 
an honest work, you know, work hard, do your thing, keep going on. This is not about literally finding, you know, some magnificent ability to move a mulberry bush. It's about just the littlest, simplest, faithful act is enough to move mountains. You know, just keep doing the right thing. I think the whole, um, uh, Pastor Javen was talking about it with the, um, the verse from Timothy, the sense of, Keep doing it. Just keep right. going one step at a time. And, you know, when you said earlier that you were a lifelong um, Lutheran, you know, raised through the faith, this, uh, you know, Timothy's reading is about, you know, your grandmother taught you this, your mother taught you this. It's like it is not more complicated than that simple try to do the right thing today. And and God is somehow in the midst of that. God is like making mustard seeds grow out of or mustard trees grow out of that. Well, that's a relief. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I remember watching this video. It was, I think it was produced by a Buddhist organization, and it was about awareness and presence. And it was about, um, they showed this guy just chopping an onion. All he was doing, like in the video, was chopping an onion. It was like, was he crying? <laughs> Onions always <laughs> right now. But it was like, be present to the onion. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was like, the point of it was like, Spirituality is being in this moment. Uh How are we fully and absolutely present to this moment when it is as simple as chopping Chopping an an onion onion to prepare for the meal? And even in the story, it's like, we'll set the table. You know, set the things out. Do do the ordinary things. Because like you were saying, that in that is deep and genuine faithfulness, and all of that is wrapped in God's presence. God is always aware and present to these moments. So how can we be present in those moments? Right. Good. Can we talk about this slave metaphor for a bit? Because I just feel like this is the kind of thing that when I read it in scripture, it's enough for me to just want to like throw my Bible away and be like, I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we have hymns in our hymnal that are patriarchal that have lots of God as he language. And we're offended by that. So we either don't sing them or we adapt them. We change the language. So it's less patriarchal. And we have ways to work around things that are meaningful to us from a previous era when there were different ideas about things and we can adapt and somehow make it work for us today. We can't do that with the Bible. Like we're stuck with a slave metaphor for all time in our Bible. And I can totally understand people who would hear this or read this and think, oh, my gosh, this is just like Christians are screwed up. Yeah. Well, maybe it's good to be constantly reminded that we don't see things and um, that people of faith, even Jesus – missed things. He was not able to speak to the issue of slavery because in his time, that issue hadn't even come onto the table yet. But it was through Christianity's and Paul's words about equality of slave and free male and female that gave birth to future generations saying slavery is Evil, And so maybe grappling with this makes us have to say, you know, there is probably something really big that we are not even seeing right now. So 
God, give us the vision to see what we what we need to see. And maybe there's comfort in the fact that Jesus didn't always see it all too. And we should probably end today, but thank you all so much for listening. Linda, thank you for being here and asking great questions. My you, pleasure. You thank got you. us talking about some really good things. And we're actually interested in hearing from all of you. So feel free to drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. And we offer a special thank you to Paul Friesen Carper for providing the music for us and to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcasts for producing these podcasts and for making us sound better than we really are. We invite everyone to join us for worship every Sunday at either 8.15 or 10.45 with Sunday School for All Ages at 9.30 in between. Thank you so much for joining us today. Know that God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com.